Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union's cash rewards card will help you slay this season. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. So buckle up, Buttercup. Hey, bro! Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you ran into Andrew at the airport. It's a small world, isn't it? It is. And then, uh, you know, he had reached out. I was in Israel. Just got back yesterday, and so the timing was really good too. So, how long were you over there? I want to go. It's a bucket list. I was there 11 days. I was there to do an Ironman race. Okay. And you just finished an Ironman and got back? I just got back yesterday, I guess at noon. Oh, we're going to hear uh, I did the race on Friday. How did we do? I qualified for Worlds. So I was happy. I was. I knew I wouldn't be my best just with everything going on right now. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to be, you know, right around top 5%. Um, but the bigger goal was... I've raced now all six continents that they offer Ironman races. And so Asia was the last one. And the only, because of COVID, this was, there was only three races you could even travel to this year. Yeah. Was that I thought, a- what better venue than swimming in the Sea of Galilee? Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Did you feel, I want to hear about that, yeah. Did you feel uh, close to God? <laughs> I felt close to him before the race, but he was not there during the swim. I it, kept hey, praying. It's on you once the gun goes off. Water. <laughs> is water cold? Water was cold. He don't think he likes that. <laughs> water was chilly and wasn't wetsuit legal. And to be honest, like I hate swimming, but I just do it anyway. Like I've only been in the water twice all year, and that was for my races. So I just count on my endurance getting me through it. And then we had really bad weather. Well, you're not even training training in the pool swimming? No, no. That would be too easy. Bro, I <laughs> mean, hey, we, he and muscle. I he and I consider ourselves good swimmers, you know, borderline great swimmers. But I, I got I got actually, yeah, I, 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 gotta, I am a really good. I know that. He is I mean, I got to <laughs> tell you, I got to tell you, if I go a whole like a whole season without swimming and I get into that mile freestyle, my shoulders yep. are feeling it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the most amazing. Did you swim coming up? No, we have I some of our. You, you just went to that. All right, so we have some of our guys. Uh, swam growing up in high school and college, and they would get in there, and it, it was their rhythm was so good that oh. they had been practicing so much. It didn't matter how long it had been since they got in the water because they could just destroy everybody. Well, and that's what makes me my mat. So my wife will stand there at the exit of the swim. Yeah. And then tell me how many of the women beat me out of the water. Oh, oh that's, yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And how many fat like guys. Already, dude. Yeah. She's a ride or die chick then, right? How many fat, oh, yeah. She's always like, God, could you be any slower? 
But I tell her it just makes it easier to find my bike because all the other bikes are gone. Out of the way. By the time I get, yeah. Oh, yeah, out of the way. I, like I can it. appreciate that. That's good thinking. Squared away. There's multiple ways of looking at everything. How are your How are your splits? Uh, so the bike I was seventh out of 350. Oh, well, that's uh, that's extremely respectable. What, what's, yeah, so what's I mean, one of those events do you like? The bike the best? is my strength. Oh, I've won like a few of the bikes before. And then the run, I was, I think, 23rd out of 350. And then the swim, I was 250 out of 350. <laughs> so there's some room I'd for I'd say it's something, considering you come out of the water first. Yeah. I mean, you you must be cruising on that bike. I was at the... Um, I don't even okay, remember. so when y'all go in, do you do you stay back? Do you even get into the, into the middle, or do you let them get out of the way and just kind of... Float? I try to get in the middle, uh, and then I try to swim right on the border where the buoys are to stay out of that washing, you know, the machine. Yeah, the machine, yeah. Yeah, I saw I was I was coming from it. the back like that on that the draft coming around that. I got a I got a buddy named Jim Vance. I don't know if you know that name or not. He did um he did Xterra's, uh, and I had never met him in my life. And he came out to Hawaii to run the World Championships. Like I said, I can't remember what year it was. And a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, I got a buddy coming out. You mind if he stays with you? You pick him up from the airport?" I was like, "Yeah." Came out, he won it. He came out of the water in like forty fifth. And he came off that bike in second place. And, buddy, when he hit that ground, it wasn't nothing but trail dust killing everybody. They like you. He's, got a, yeah. he's gifted on the bike. Well, here's the thing. Not only are these people faster than me swimming, but they're also using less energy. Right? So, I mean, I'm slow and In the back, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and inefficient. Double threat. Because, like, when I've done just uh, duathlons, I've won those races. Uh if I was smart, I would only do those, but I like the challenge. I'm just not willing to put in the time to get better on the swimming. Uh-huh. Just because you don't uh, like it? Just bad mechanics. I can't seem to fix it. I don't know if somebody needs a hypnosis. <laughs> you might be too far along to... That's the way I am with running. <laughs> I never could get into it. Yeah. Running, I just feel like, though, honestly, it's just put the time in. Yeah, no, you know, if not, you run not, more, you're going to get no. faster. No, so he's got a, not, he's got a mental block on the run. Really? Because <laughs> he's taller than I am and can run like the wind. If he <laughs> think that's what it is, sure. a mental block. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a, it's, so, a, it's upstairs. He's he's convinced himself that he sucks at running. I didn't well, say that. I just yeah, I said it wasn't uh, very proficient. But I think it. on the bike and the run, it pays to be built like a twelve year old. So that's always been in my benefit. How old? What what age group are you running in? I'm 47, so I'm in the 45 to 49 year old. Okay. And then, like when I did Kona, I weighed 139 pounds for that race. How, how tall are you? Five seven and a half. Dang man, see, I can't do it to myself anymore. My body's going though. I get the synthetic knee injections every six months. Mm-hmm. Arthritis, both knees, torn ACL, plate seven screws in my leg. Oh, I got one of the tip fit fracture. Yep. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, I still got my plate in there. <laughs> do, it's yeah. actually they said it makes my pedal stroke better because there's no flex in that leg. Really? Yeah, I got mine before I went to the Navy, and I had my plate and screws the whole time. No, no problem at all. Matter of fact, never even really hurt. And it's hardware they got last, coming out now. Like, so, so when I race, I take my ear off. Uh, you've probably seen those videos. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think it makes me more aerodynamic on the bike. How does that thing stick on That's there? Great thinking. So I've got three screws drilled into my skull there yeah. permanently. Okay. With a big metal bar on it. It's not magnetic. It just clicks on. It just snaps on there. Man, Have you I ever been walking somewhere and your head kind of 
Caught another so magnet? <laughs> I've not had that happen, but I've lost it in places. What? Are you and kidding me? You should see the store owners when I have to call them and say, hey, listen, I think I left my ear in your bathroom. Oh, i tell you what. I, I think it's even more funny if somebody's <laughs> like, since, since That's awesome. if you're going somewhere that has a mask mandate and that thing falls off, like I, I can't connect it to my head. What do you want me to do? Yeah, I had a discussion like that in Atlanta a couple months ago. She said, you need a mask on. I said, can you tell me how I put it on? I said, I don't have an ear. <laughs> and she was like, um. And finally, she was like, well, can you pull your shirt over your mouth? Ah, wow, that's, 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 that's desperation. Well, nice. there's a per- I think there's a perfect place to take it back. I'm going to start with an introduction, but we're not, we've been recording we that whole thing. Stories, that's awesome. yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're going down, we could do this. Yes. So uh, we're going to start this thing off by uh, doing a Patreon question today, a little intro here, because you guys have okay. already heard a little bit about Shay's story, but we are going to really kind of deep dive. Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. Marcus, Morgan, what's up, guys? Hi. How are y'all? Another day. Blessed and unstoppable, my Ooh, friend. Nice. nice. Hey, in the spirit of it's Thanksgiving month, what are you most grateful for this year? Being alive. Same. Life. Life, yeah. For me, Being, it's just family. Yep. Being like alive. Health. They're all still here. <laughs> five, right? Five or seven? Five. Five. I got five. It feels uh, like seven. Under, but it's just under the age of 13. Good job. Yeah. Well, my oldest, she's, she's 15, but uh, she's going on 21 oh, based yeah, on yeah. Mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. I got, a daughter, I got a daughter too. You guys know the feeling. Yeah. I live vicariously through my brother who's got the only female in the family now. I have two sons. Thank you, God. Yeah, the middle <laughs> one, he, he's growing too. His voice is kind of changing. He's he got that awkward looking, you know, he's growing long. And then, yeah. One arm's longer than the Whatever other. that is, kind of that, <laughs> that, that time in our life. It's awesome. He's going through that. Well, we got a Patreon question today. It's actually kind of for you, Morgan. Sweet. I've heard the story of when at a young age, Morgan told Marcus that they were going to be SEALs, but what inspired you to want to become a SEAL? Our daddy talked about frogmen when we were coming up, and we, then we, we saw a documentary at a, at a younger age, and then I think... It was in the 90s, early 90s, a documentary called The Silent Option came out. So good. Had that guy with that great voice. Talk so about, good. Talking about how badass seals are. <laughs> I mean, this that, that documentary had us hook, line, singer, because it was back in the 1900s, so you, you had to have, <laughs> there's a TV guy, like you had to look and see what time you had to have your butt you could, Yeah, you it's just, not like you could pull it up. Pull it up, you watch to, it. You had to be looking for it. And we randomly caught it one day on Discovery Channel, and that was it, right then. I think that's where we're going. That guy's voice, man. I, let me tell you something. He probably recruited more guys from our generation just by. Was it Don LaFontaine or somebody totally different? No, no, no. Wasn't that? I know who that is. I mean, hey, that's yeah, you. that's that's, that's your the one voice. I got. Yeah, that's like your guy. Optimus Prime, good though. Oh yeah, that grit. Well, then because they, they, they would come in, and it, <laughs> it was good. It sold us. Was that it for you guys? Like for seriously, like the show was like okay. Yeah, that was a defining moment. Yeah, because they were. It was. Man, they, were, I, I they were scuba diving, which we were freaks about. You couldn't get us. You couldn't put a rig a, on us in the bathtub now. Kids, and you know, shoot, move, and communicate. They were skydiving. They were fighting. You know, they were. All the guy kept talking about was like the most elite on the planet. And they Only get to a do handful of guys make it. This, that, and there. Of course, when we said we want to do it, everybody was like, "Man, y'all from Willis, Texas." Yeah, like, nah. yeah, good luck. What y'all yeah. gonna do? Oh, that's cute. You know, <laughs> oh, that's, that's yeah, and y'all were not big guys at the time. Uh, uh-uh. no. Five six. Oh, now, did y'all go to college first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bearcats, Samuelson State. Eat What's them up. up? 
You know what a bear cat is? Nobody does. It's Nobody terrifying, does. though. It's terrifying. <laughs> now, from, did, did y'all know y'all were going to go to college first before you went into the teams? Like, did y'all know yeah. after college? Yeah. No, yeah, straight yeah. to the teams. No, 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 no. You had to go there first. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't have. <laughs> shouldn't have gone there first. <laughs> should have had a great time. Should have went to the military first. But yeah. Um, I saw your resume, big man. That's impressive. I know. Here we go. Because I, I, I went to the University of Texas, your University of Tennessee, the real UT. That's what, you know. Can have that argument all day long. We used to have a football team back in the nineties. So did we. <laughs> Even later. But I was there for the glory years, so I got to storm the field and everything. So. Oh, really? That's cool. We lost against Kansas yesterday, if that makes you or Saturday. You got a chance to go there. You've been to the stadium. Got to run down the tunnel with Benny. Was it uh, yeah. Yeah. I never I never got a chance the, to go. There. We lost I'm gonna say this one more time for everybody in the cheap seats. We lost against Kansas. I think they brought their basketball team. Big guys. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know. It's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. No, Andrew, not big guys. Tim, Tennessee, y'all, y'all got walked on on Saturday as well, right? We did, but we played Georgia. Um, we ain't knew much, we were going to get our ain't much there for, yeah. Georgia. But supposedly, we scored the most points that's been given up against them all year. So there's one. Well, they had to away. give you some kind of recognition <laughs> you know, on national television. You know, it's just, we're in the age of that. Georgia going to exactly. Georgia going to take it all away. We're kind year. of in the age of that. Finally. Yep, Shay, you, Shay, go. you got to introduce yourself, man. Tell everybody a little bit about you. There's quite a quite a profile, quite quite a resume. Sure. My name is Shay Eskew. I live here in Brentwood, Tennessee. I've uh, been married 19 years, father of five under 15, and that was all by design, well-planned. They're 7, 9, 11, 13, 15. February, March, April, May, June birthdays. Uh, what? Don't try that at home. <laughs> I was... Set a fire by a neighbor's kid by accident when I was eight. Uh, as a result, had to undergo close to 40 surgeries. My right arm was physically melted to my body for three years. Took three years just to lift my arm over my head. Had to learn how to write left-handed to finish the third grade. Was told I'd never compete in sports again. Um, by the grace of God, was inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of, Hall of Fame. Boxed in college, never lost a match, and then have raced in 42 Ironman and Ironman 70.3 races, ranked top 1% in the last five years, and just finished racing in Israel, which gives me having raced Ironman in all six continents. And like I tell everybody, thank God those doctors told me I'd never play sports again. That was the best thing they could have done for me. Just pissed me off, wanted me to prove them wrong. Right? Good for you. You think we, I mean, this is an autographed copy picture hanging in the gym type dude. How'd you, okay, so, you know, it's kind of hard to get accidentally set on fire. Yeah, not saying it you know, happen. it's interesting. Um, I think we all can relate to it, though. I was asked by my mom to warn my neighbors they had an aggressive yellow jacket's nest in the ground. Yeah. If you're in the South, you know about yellow jackets. Those things Very are aggressive. gnarly, man. Yeah, yeah. I was eight. My friend was seven. We walked across the street to tell the neighbor the dad wasn't home, but the 15-year-old daughter was. And as we started to tell her about the nest, she asked if we would help her get rid of them. What I didn't know is she'd seen her dad do this a few times before. So we walked down to where the yellow jackets were. She grabbed a match, striked it, threw it close to the hole. And she asked us to stand there probably about 15 feet away to make sure they didn't leave the nest. And then without saying anything, she grabbed a cup of gasoline, stood behind us, pitched it between us, splashed me on my right shoulder, my face, hit my buddy on the left side. 
hit that spark of imagine we went up in flames luckily i remember to stop drop and roll put mine out and then i looked up the kids stood there screaming the girl hid because she was in shock bless you i grabbed a hose and put him out and then you know we soon learned that we didn't have insurance and the girl who set us on fire the homeowners wasn't going to take responsibility for it so we had an estimated two million dollar hospital bill but fortunately the shriners hospital in cincinnati heard about us and relocated my mother and i from atlanta to cincinnati for the next three months to undergo those initial surgeries Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What about your buddy? He came with me. Um, so we were in the same room. A lot of stories. You know, I tell everybody, like, you don't realize just how serious getting burned is. Like, my ear was gangrene. They had to amputate it. I lost three skin grafts to infection. Uh, they had to take all the skin off my legs to skin graft to my shoulders and my back. Those, some of those got infected. You just see a lot of really messed up stuff. You know, there's a guy next to me that was electrocuted. I watched them remove part of his skin. Uh, at eight years old, you see that, right? It kind of just changes our, your whole outlook on, one, what does normal look like? And two, what's pain? Because one of the things most people can't believe is when I tell them the strongest thing that we got for pain, extra strength Tylenol. Think oh. about that. They what's amputated up? most of my ear with a pair of scissors. They believed if you were screaming, your lungs were healthy. Now, that may sound cruel, but I can tell you 40 years later, I don't need pain medicine. I have a very strong pain threshold. And it's allowed me to do things that I think many people couldn't do. But you also realize many times pain is just a state of mind, right? Yeah. And you just kind of put it in perspective. There's not many things that I've went through after eight that compare. And so I just keep saying, hey, this really isn't that bad. Remember how bad it used to be. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> that was pretty, that was pretty deep, Shay. Yeah, when that, I yeah. mean, when that first happened, how long were you down? So I was hospitalized three months. Yeah. Uh, and it was interesting because they kept saying, hey, here's all the things you shouldn't do, right? And they keep prefacing by saying, listen, when you get out of here, you need to know the world you're going into isn't going to be kind because you got to remember for three months, I'm around everybody else is burned. They look just like me, disfigured, scarred, you're missing limbs. Nobody stares at you because you're normal. But I remember to this day when I went back to school, because they told us to stay home for a year, my parents took me back to school two weeks later. My mom would pick me up every day at lunch, take me home, change my dressings, take me back to school. But what I remember is as soon as I walked in that school, you hear all the kids talking, running down the hallways. But when I started walking in the hallway, complete silence. And then you could hear the whispers. Now, I don't know what y'all remember about 
1982 and 1983, but there was a movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, came out. Oh, yeah. There was a guy, Freddy Krueger. Oh, yep. yeah. Well, that was me. Kids would say, hey, Freddy, as I walked down the hallway. And honestly, when I looked in the mirror, that's what I saw was Freddy Krueger. I hated looking in the mirror so much that for years, I didn't look at the right side of my face because I saw Freddy Krueger looking at me. But one of the things that became very apparent was this is as good as it's going to get. No amount of praying, crying, begging is going to take away these scars. And so once you kind of have that moment of realization, you start realizing, you know what? If people are going to make fun of me, I'm going to beat them to the punch. I can't change these scars, so let's have some fun with it. And so when I went back to school and those same kids would say, hey, Freddie, and if you know the story, you can appreciate this. I'd try and say, yes, I'll see you in your dreams tonight. <laughs> and I put an end to that real quick. Right. You know, and people would always come up and start asking, hey, can you hear? And you'd say, what? And they said, can you hear? And you say, what? And it kept getting louder and louder. And I'd say, yes, I can hear. Just because I don't have an ear, I still have a, another ear. Uh, but you learn to have fun with it, you know? And I think that's what life's about is bad things happen to good people. There's no reason to blame society. You just got to make the most of it and figure out, once I get through this, what else in life can I do that I never thought was possible? So at eight years old, who was giving you that? You know, a lot of it was coming through my faith. Um, you know, I was raised, you know, in a good Christian family. Uh, we always believe that God never gives you more than you can handle. Uh, my parents, it's amazing because you look at them today, you wouldn't believe this, but we're very encouraging. Hey, you can do this. Don't give up kind of thing. Um, and I believe God gave them the strength to be the kind of parent they needed to be. Because I can tell you as a dad who almost lost his daughter. That's the hardest thing is watching your kids suffer, knowing you can't fix it. Yeah, sure. I know every one of you guys, you take a bullet in the face before you'd watch one thing happen to your kid. And so I know for my parents to watch me go through that, to watch me screaming and having to go through all the physical therapy, had to hurt them. But I think when they could start seeing how happy I was when I had those opportunities to compete, it changed everything. I remember I played baseball two months after getting out of the hospital. Now, if you remember, I told you I couldn't lift my arm up. So how in the world do you play baseball? My dad signed up as the coach. He put me up at second base so I could toss the ball underhand to first. I played football six months later. The doctor said, don't play football. What if you get hurt? I don't have any nerves. I don't have sweat glands on the right side of my body. You could cut me and I wouldn't feel it. And they were fearful I could get cut and bleed out. So my dad inserted additional padding into my shoulder pads so I could go out there and butt heads with those guys. I can tell you I absolutely was the worst player on the field, without a doubt. But for 60 minutes every Saturday, I felt like a normal kid. Like, I loved getting my bell rung because I felt normal. There was no kids' gloves. There was nobody doing anything for me. That's all I've ever wanted. Just give me a shot to prove what I can do. And that's kind of what life has been for me. It's the more chances I've taken, the more time I've put myself out there, the more opportunities that are presented themselves. And I think everything that I've went through has prepared me for where I am in life. And that came from your dad? and I mean, you got mom and dad? Yeah, I would say more so my dad. Now, my mom, she was battling some things on her own. 
you know, I don't really want to get into all that stuff, but, but she was also the one that like when we were in public, I know this is hard to imagine, but we would literally like go to a store. People would stop and stare at you. Kids would pull in their mom's purse and say, Ooh, mommy, look at his face. Mommy, where's his ear? You know, I mean, how do you feel as an eight-year-old people scared to look at you? And I can still remember my mom. She'd say, hey, don't you worry. They're going to be ugly their entire life. You're going to get better looking. Don't give up. Right? It's little things like that. Yeah. Like when they told me they had to cut my ear off in the hospital, she wanted to be the first one to tell me. And I remember she came up. She said, Shay, you see your dad over there? You were so lucky. You see those big, goofy ears? You're only going to have one of them, not two. <laughs> you should be, you know, happy that you're not going to have two of them. Did he play sports? I mean, at what age, when, when you came out of that, did you start really pushing into that? And was it the sports that guided you? Yeah, the sports, it is fun, interesting. That's kind of the opposite of something like life. when you're busted up like that. That'd be the opposite way you usually want to go. But what was the drive on that? So for me, it's, you know, sports was an outlet. It was the, when I was doing an activity, I felt normal. I didn't feel like a burn kid. I felt like everybody else out there, regardless how good I was, I felt normal. But I could also see myself progressing. And one of the things I didn't mention earlier was, so as a result of getting burned and my arm melted to my side, my neck was stuck at a 60 degree angle. I had to wear a compression suit that went from my ankles to my neck to my wrist for three years, 22 hours a day. I had to wear plastic orthotic braces, three of them, one around my chest, my arm strapped into it, one around my neck and one around my face to look like a hockey mask. The only time I could take those masks or those um, braces off was when I was playing sports. And so for me, the more I played sports, the less I had to wear these braces. But it was just a way for me to reclaim my identity. Like I felt if I was truly a great athlete, people wouldn't see the scars. They'd say, hey, that kid's a good athlete. Instead of saying, hey, there's the burn kid. I didn't want to be the burn kid. I wanted them when they saw me when I wrestled, I would make sure they saw my scars at weigh-ins because I wanted them to know I've been through hell and back. And I'm going to give you a taste of it as soon as we step on this mat. That's what I wanted people to know. There you go. That's what drives it. And when you look at them differently like that, it's almost it was respect to have earned them. It is. You know, it's, it's so, right of passage. It's so hard to teach that. I mean, I really can't. I mean, how, how do you, right? Not that you, well, you can't, right? somebody on fire, but... No, yeah. no, no. I meant when you... It, then I could go with anything. I mean, at a well, young age... One of those, you know, with kids, as a small kid, you want so bad to conform. You want to look like everybody else. But as soon as we get adults, we don't want to look like anybody. We'll get... Tattoos, haircuts, you name it, because we don't want to look like anybody. Yeah. Now tell everybody, like, how lucky am I? Like, nobody looks like me. Nobody's got one ear and scars on 65% of their body. Nobody confuses me with anybody else. When I'm out in public or in the beach, people remember me. I'll never forget in college, people would always come up to me all the time and say, Hey man, how you doing? Hey, it was great seeing you last week. I didn't know these people. And I'd always tell my roommate, I said, like, dude. Do I have a drinking problem? Like, I don't know these people. And then later I realized on a campus of 30,000 people, nobody looked like me. And so when people see this one unicorn every day, they remember who you are. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're not an asshole, that's a gift, right? You stand out. You're memorable. 
With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. How was the transition from high school into college? You know, at first it was hard. Um, I had wrestled my whole life. And it was one of those, I felt like I had earned a reputation. I was known as an athlete. And then you get to college, you're nobody, right? You start back over. Um, the school I was at, Tennessee, didn't have wrestling. And so you kind of feel like you got to do something to establish your credibility that, hey, look, I'm an athlete. You know, I'm not a burn guy. And so fortunately, that's when I got introduced to boxing there. And it was, a, again, a way to kind of say, hey, don't judge me based on this. Here's some things I can do. And then people get to know you. It wasn't that all of a sudden you're a cool guy because you could box. It was they were willing to look beyond that to get to know you. I can tell you when I went through Rush in the Greek system, I had a fraternity tell me you were going to be given a bid, but several people had a problem with your scars. They don't want to give you a bid because you're disfigured. That's pretty tough as a 19-year-old to hear that, Mm -hmm. right? And then you're like, well, thank you. You did me a blessing. The last thing I want to do is be around a bunch of assholes who don't want to hang out with me because I have scars as a result of nothing I did. It wasn't your fault. Yeah, sure. Because as when you get older, the stories that that produce that are the ones that motivate other people. Yeah, it's like you got to have somebody down here that goes through that to motivate to turn around, so people will have a vantage point of what what it truly means to to go through something difficult. You know, it's interesting because as a kid, I never told my story. Like, not to the full extent. I wouldn't say that I was embarrassed, but I definitely didn't just outright tell people because I didn't want them to show me sympathy or anything. And then later, as you become an adult, you're like, dang, like I can help other people by sharing what I went through and how I went through it. Because one of the things we know with absolute certainty is we all struggle. We all face adversity. We've all been tempted to quit. We've all said, God, why me? You know, how am I going to get through this? And once you know that somebody else has not only been through what you've been through, but worse, and they not only survived, but they thrived. Man, that's impactful. You know, when you talk about changing people's lives, and they say, thank you, I needed that. I was contemplating suicide or just giving up. Now, because of you, I'm ready to take the world on. It makes it all worth it. You know, people always said, Shay, if you could go back to 1982, would you still walk across the street and tell that girl about the yellow jacket's nest? If you were to ask me that when I was 13, 18, or even 24, hell yeah, I would change that. There's no way I would disfigure myself and subject myself to some of the torture and torment I went through. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I said, tell me how I've missed out. I've got a beautiful wife, five amazing kids, great sports career or a great you know, a professional career. There's not one thing in life I've ever missed out on. Did I have to work three times as hard as everybody else to be average? Hell yeah, I did. But guess what? It meant 10 times as much because I had to work so hard. And I think that's what we forget about. It's the things that we cherish or the things that we busted our butt to get. It's not the things that we were given. It's the things that we truly suffered for. 
And that's why the more that we can remove those um, safety blankets for everybody, I think the more people will appreciate the things that they have in life. And yeah, and they'll thrive. Now, everybody, like you said, now that they're looking at you now and all they want to do is hear that story. How, 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 how did you do this? And You're asking me how I did no, it? No, I'm saying people say no, that generally, to you. Yeah, it's, people yeah. say that to you. Come across it. Yeah. And that, I mean, the it's way It's funny. Um, and it's also one of those people come up to me now and they said, hey, I never told you in high school, but the way that you lived your life motivated me. Like you never seen that it bothered you. And I said, well, part of it, you didn't know what I was dealing with on the inside, but we forget that we silently impact people. Right. Just because somebody didn't come up and say something doesn't mean you're not impacting people every single day. And that's what you got to be mindful of. It's how you live your life, not what you say. It's what you're doing that in influences people. I, I'm trying to think about now how because everything that you had to go through at such a young age, I'm sure you're, you don't cut your kids any slack. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. Some people maybe think it's cruel but my kids love it. i mean we have certain rituals like every friday night we do margaritas in mexican and when we get home it's a quarter mile down our street we make all the kids get out and run home I nobody know, rides in the car in trouble <laughs> and if you got friends with you you got to get out of the car too i'm gonna write uh, that down my kids getting started old enough now because ours we got a long driveway as well and we do the ritual yeah. on sundays we'll go down and get a chocolate shake and a, uh, at the water burger and stuff like that just I keep a book at the front door, a sign-in log for everybody who comes in. And when they, when they make it through the gate, I'm like, hey, I need some words of wisdom for my kid. Like, drop some on me when you get here, and then drop some by the time you leave, because it'll have changed. And then we write all the Christmas movies down. Like, Mojo and I, are, we're separated by a little bit of distance now, which is probably good, man. They put us too close together. We'd, we'd take control of this place. But uh, we started some of the rituals that he and I came up together, some of them that our father passed down. But... When you pass them down to your kids, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, they don't know if you started it or if your great, 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 great grandfather started it, man. It's a tradition. It's a ritual. And it's, it's kind of the coolest part about it are those little things that you see those other families do. That, and that's what makes it a family. I mean, it's just oh, sitting yeah. there together. Is not, it's it's those, those little things right there that create that family bond. It's like what you do. Like we love to do feats of strength competitions. And so we'll do plank challenges. And so when COVID first started, that's not feats that's of strength. That's a little weird, dude. I, you know, I mean, I, that's, that's no, actually, it's great because that's the way you can torture the kids. That's weird. People. Mojo oh, does. That's how he did was his push ups. Over here, yeah. if, you, if you drop something on the ground, you have to drop down with it, just like when we were in the military. And then uh, <laughs> if you say the word mine, if you don't spell it, because nothing's mine, right? It's ours, uh, then it's five push ups. So we, th- we took everything we kind of picked up in the military and spun it around to uh, Children Basics 101. <laughs> it works like when our, my kids say I can't two minute plank that's a good one that's a good one so you start eliminating certain words out of their vocabulary I was talking to a gentleman earlier a guy that gives Mojo and I guidance he's one of the elders and I, I, I think about it, I was like am I good am I a good father am I, am I doing this right how do you know I don't care what book you read that book was written was written about the guy he's a great father if he could write a book about it right <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the rest of us have to go at it as you can just pick it up. Your boys teach you a lot as well, but ultimately our family is just like when a tree grows, the branches go in all different directions. Same way as our kids, man. They just shot got out in different directions. And he was saying that you can have one dad who's kind of the overly aggressive one, 
And that could be a problem sometimes. You can have the one that's too cool. It's like the middle ground, uh, the love and the, the, the strict discipline one. But that's the hardest road to walk. Well, it doesn't mean you can't be both. Right? That's what I'm saying. I yeah, mean, no, no. You're supposed to be like both, I, but that's the hardest one to walk is trying yeah, to, like to, to I balance know that. I'm just a set obsessive compulsive type person. So I can easily be one extreme and then on the other. But one of the things like we do daily is tell our kids, hey, I love you. Like no matter what I say, what I do, I always love you. You need to know that. And I think that's one of the things most kids don't hear enough. And my kids know that no matter how hard we are, at the end of the day, we still love them. You know, I'm still your dad. You're still my son. But, you know, we teach them the value of working hard and sacrifice. You know, and they ask for, hey, dad, can I have some money? Well, what are you willing to do to earn it? I'm not going to just give you money because you need it. Mm-hmm. So literally, we'll go make them pick up weeds, pick up sticks for hours. My seven-year-old spent two hours picking weeds in the yard because she wanted a couple dollars. And she didn't think anything about it. And I think that's the key is you teaching kids early like you guys have done. Nothing's given to you. You earn it. Wow, that's a great part about and also where you grow up and where you live because my kids have to do that for nothing. That's just the rent they pay. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, it's some extra very, stuff for you to do if you want some of my coin. <laughs> we're in a very sheltered community here. <laughs> so are we. <laughs> so you, you transitioned out of college. When did you get into running the races. So it's interesting. Um, so right after college though, I spent six months trapping bears for a living. Where? Uh, so I spent three months in the great smoky mountains. Yeah. We've and heard that. Spent- <laughs> Sounds familiar. Like, yeah. like black bears. Uh, bro. Black. So we caught 150 bears in three months there. <laughs> and then I spent three months in the Okefenokee swamp. In a swamp. Which I don't recommend going. Yeah. I that was miserable. Um, but I got introduced to Iron Man in 2008, and you guys can appreciate this. So I was probably 40 pounds heavier than I am now, and it wasn't all muscle, but it's all about the gun show, right? That's big right. chest, yeah. big biceps. Yeah, hanging out, the, whatever hangs out the shirt. And I was working out in a gym in a big high-rise, and as I was coming out of the locker room, this guy behind me, 65, barrel-chested, crew-cut, he goes, hey, tough guy. I said, you talking to me? He goes, yeah, I'm talking to you. He goes, why don't you come here and do my little boot camp class? Just me and a bunch of ladies. Shouldn't be anything for a guy like you with all your muscles. I should have saw what was coming. I was like, whatever, old timer. I didn't know this guy's a former Marine drill sergeant. I didn't know he was one of the original 1978 Ironmen. <laughs> the first 10 minutes, I'm in tears. It's all core, right? Planks, leg raises. And then we get to push-ups. I'm like, I'm going to bury this old bird. He drops down beside me doing four-count push-ups. I can't keep up. And he's like, Eskew, ponytails is kicking your butt. You better pick it up, boy. And all I could say is, yes, sir. And I went home, told my wife, I said, I'll be damned if some 65-year-old's going to embarrass me like that again. I got back in shape, dropped 20 pounds. Well, a few months later, he got diagnosed stage four pancreatic. Mm. So we lost him in a year. And right before he passed away, we said, Henry, his name's Henry Forrest. We said, we're going to do the next big triathlon. We don't care the distance to honor you. Didn't own a bike, never swam, hence why my swimming's so poor. Bought a $500 bright green bike off Craigslist. Hadn't ran since high school, really. Trained. So we did this half Ironman. 
And afterwards, we're all celebrating. Somebody goes, let's do the same race twice, five months from now. I was the only one that went home that night and signed up. And unbeknownst to me, it was the one-year anniversary of him passing. And I ran into his daughter the night before the race, and she said, you know, Danny's going to be watching you. I said, no. She goes, no. You know this is his anniversary, the one-year passing. And I've been hooked on it ever since. Um, I feel like everything I've went through in life, this speaks to me. It gives me a way to compete without hurting myself. You know, I can't do the things I used to do when I was in my 20s. But And you meet a lot of top performers in life. You know, I've met an 83-year-old nun who's out there racing. You know, I've met a triple amputee who's doing Ironman. I've got friends, uh, brothers. One's got cerebral palsy. They're doing Ironmans. Like every walk of life is out there racing. And it's not to win, it's to finish. Because to finish is to win. People come across me once again, they'll ask me, he's like, hey, how do I take myself out of my comfort zone? How do I, because I want to grow physically and mentally. And a buddy of mine talked a few of us into doing ultras. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. But I tell people, I was like, hey, if you really want to know where you can go and where you are, wake up Saturday morning and walk 50 miles. Don't stop. Don't quit. You don't have to run. Yep. Just walk 50 miles. I had a young guy, I had a young man the other day. He, he took me up on it and he called me while he was doing it. I had no idea. Uh, three weekends ago. And he was like, hey, I'm out six miles, six. Then he calls me at 19. <laughs> and I didn't hear from him after that. He made it to 32 miles. And uh, they found him. He, he had passed out on, at the, on a sidewalk at a Waffle House. Cops got him. <laughs> Great place to. Sit yeah, down, the staff in the Waffle House called the police because he had, he, had, he had dehydrated real bad and he, he had shut down. And I called him the next day and he really didn't talk, but I called him a little bit late, a couple of days later, and he's like, I've learned more about myself. And now, so now his threshold is higher. His it mental is. capacity is higher. His physical capacity is now higher. And all he did was go out for a walk. And I tell him, I, I've told him, I was like, you take notes every single day of what you learned from that experience and let me know how you end how how it benefits you downstream. And so to your It's point, life-changing. It's life-changing. Um, I mean, you'll appreciate this. There's a, a guy that, Jack Daly, he's the one that got me to write my book. He called me two years ago. He was 69 years young. And he said, Shay, I got something that's going to be awesome. We're going to run across the Grand Canyon, south rim, the north rim, and then yeah. back. Rim run. Oh, I wouldn't do it I'm twice. No, one's fine. He goes, we're going to do it at the end of July. It should be about 112. 20,000 feet of elevation gain. It's going to be absolutely miserable. Can I count you in? I was like, hell yeah, Jack. I mean, how do you say no to a 69-year-old? Easily. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. Was that coming in? Uh, hello. You're, bro you're broken. Yeah. <laughs> but it's people like that. This same guy just did his 100th marathon Saturday. In Athens, Greece, at seventy-two or seventy-three now. That's awesome. Just, the room, I know, I mean, it's kind of like putting a polar bear in the desert, point. man. I, you know, some things. Well, just... I mean, I, as you said, it's not the it's not winning; it's finishing. I mean, you learn more about yourself getting there, training, and the races that yeah. build up to that. But I think it's also when you're surrounded by other people, they're yeah. going to push you because it's so easy for you one on one to quit. But when you have other people say, "Hey, man." You got this. Oh, they're out there sucking it up with you. Oh, yeah. Well, look at, look at the race and the and and all that. Look at that as the the actually the start of it, not the finish. 
And then that whole experience that led up to that was is, it was the race. I mean, and yeah. you're right, the journey. Each little part of that is what teaches you something about yourself. And just step into the line. Just just step into the line. That's what most people, in my opinion, they just they won't suit up. I mean, they'll talk about it all day long. And all if they just actually just walked in and put and put the uniform on or walk just I mean I'm doing it. Like anybody listening to us talk right now, talking about Iron Man, cold bore it. Don't train for it. Cold, just walk. Just well, you know what? That, that'll give you respect too. Like yeah. if you cold like, boy, like he's talking about, my, like just kind of step in there and okay. see what he's been having to deal with. The most impressive, <laughs> the most impressive the things that. I've seen are people that finish those Ironmans like you do. People that finish those hundred mile races. Those are a different breed of human being, and every one of them. And when you talk to him, I was, I was a, I was three hundred pound drug addict. Yep. Or I, you know, I, my mar- I lost my family in a tragedy. That's the one you want to hire in a business. You know, like fine to get a list of all them people, but hey, man, let's just go do something. They figured it out. Yeah. And they pushed themselves to either the brink or the the press, the prefaces. I guess like, you know, life can hand you that, that too. Life can hand it to you like it did you. And then you went in and and saw what it showed you. And then some people have to come in and do the Ironman themselves and get burned by that, you know, burned by life. And it it, it changes them. You know, for me, it's always that harsh round, like, what kind of life do you want? I can tell you when I laid in that hospital bed and I looked around at these other kids, I didn't want that. I knew whatever it took to not be laying in that bed and be treated like some of those kids were, I would do whatever it took. And once you commit to, I don't want to be like that. Life's pretty easy. Right. And then once you go through these things, like you said, like when you've hit rock bottom, you say, wait a minute, I'm still alive. Shit. I got this. I can do it all. And I think that's the key. It's intentionally putting yourself in those situations where you feel like you're going to die and you're not. Then you have that confidence. Well, look, if it can't ever get worse than this, I got this. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what I've done, you know, many times through life. It's putting myself in situations where now I'm comfortable because what a lot of people run. So I can't sweat on a third of my body. And so I, as a result in these races, I can't sweat on this side of my body, but I can't stop sweating on the left side. And so I sweat five pounds every hour for 10 hours straight. So in several of these Ironmans, I'm urinating blood before I start the marathon. And I'm here to tell you that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't recommend it, but it, it's not going to kill you. I mean, it may hurt your time 15 minutes, but you can get through it. It's yeah. just one of the things you learn to deal with. I tell you, I like you because so all all three of us have been in a hospital bed and I remember laying there going, if I can, if I ever get the opportunity to get out of here, I will never stop going. And I don't care what it is. I will never sit there and idle. I remember waking up in them and you're like, yes. <laughs> you're like, man, we must've been going real hard. Right. When you wake up in there with all the, the ninjas standing over the top, you try to put you back, save you back together. Yeah. And that was it. Was a good one. Did I win? And then, Did right? I win? <laughs> but right, just like they patch you up, and they're great, man. They're so wonderful. Imagine not having that, right? And people that put well, us back together. And that's one of my things. Like before every surge, like I got to have one, uh, two months. They got to take a big section out of my back to sew it in my neck. But before every surgery, I work out in the room because I tell myself when I wake up, if I can't do what I could do right before the surgery. I'm okay with it, right? I made use of every single minute. 
I had a complete shoulder rebuild last year. Oof. And right before this was the second shoulder, right before we left, I went and did 20 pull-ups in the house. My wife goes, what the hell are you doing? We're going to be late for surgery. Setting a baseline. Yeah. You know what that <laughs> is? You know, that, Cause we were talking about this earlier too, man. There's, there's different types of humans down here. No one is the same. Everyone is as unique as your fingerprint. No one's the same height, the same color, not, nothing. And, uh, you need to look at it like, man, they had to put all those restrictions on you to carry that spirit you got. <laughs> I mean, you're wearing that thing, that, that sucker out. I mean, with, with all yeah. the, it's not a, a disability, it's a distinct ability, right? When you get, when something like that gets put on you, especially at a young age, that means you're, that diamond inside of that, that coal wrap. It's like the pressure that was put on on that was almost, not, 100% on purpose. Some of y'all can't yeah. run around with that much power with a body like that that can accommodate it. No way. Because no one else could set any records. But, you I know, mean, it's funny because before the surgery, like, I don't think there was anything about me that said, hey, this kid's resilient and tough, right? Um, now God said it. See, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lord prepped you up on that one, buddy. That's why in your programming. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm, I don't see it. I don't notice anything like you. First of all, my brother and I dig scars, right? Like we have a mess of them. We've always had this little. Yeah, you got some facial scars. We <laughs> yeah. always. I mean, if you got a Josie Wells or something like that, we'll notice it. And guys like us do that. Morgan and I had one the other day, and he, this guy, was upset about it. He's like, "Man, you know, kind of nervous. Like, dude, that is badass. How did you get that?" Yeah, because those of us that walk around with them, or you're painted. If you get painted up like we did, man, it's just. We're just well, a different kind of crew, a different kind that's of community coming down next, here. Though, but I was scared of getting a tattoo for fear it may show on my face. So if I had like a big bald eagle or naked woman tattooed on my back, and then they transplant it to my face, <laughs> that's going to be a bad look. Well, hey, wait, 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 wait. I think we can go somewhere. Because <laughs> be, that's like a puzzle. Like you <laughs> what, could do like uh, what's on your face? Well, it was on my back. Well, and, gonna, and if you move it over it here head. like a continental drift, I wanted to say this. <laughs> Just so like an anagram, or a, anagram writer, you move oh around, that's hilarious. <sighs> man, I got to tell you, dude. Well, I mean, it's all about, you that's know, pretty you, good. You, you, you spoke about your faith earlier, man. When you show up, standing there in front of the Lord, he's going to be saying, Job well done. Yeah, that's the thing here. Don't show up with what you got issued. You do that, you didn't put any work in. Like when you come sliding in there sideways. Full with what Benny <laughs> screeching in there. Look what Bro, I did. Full benefit. I mean, I mean like this guy make a poster about you, man. Like this is how you're supposed to wear to put out, out the man. rust what? down no any day. Kidding, man. I mean, that, that's our philosophies. We teach our kids that too, man. You're gonna, you got one life to live and one body. You better get all of it you can. Life can be hard, or you can be hard on life. Well. And it's funny, too, because it's all in how you embrace your shortcomings, right? Like, if you could see me with my shirt off, you'd get it. Because uh, I got a big gouge out of my arm or they did skin grass. And I'll never forget, not too long after I had it, my arm sunk in so bad, you could put three fingers side by side and not see them. And I went to the beach. Everybody's staring at me. And this one kid with his mom, I think he must have been a teenager. I don't know. He's like, hey, man, what happened to your arm and your ear? So I kind of looked at him. I was Shark like, bite. you're not going to believe this. Chris, a bear. No, yesterday I was out there about waist deep. Getting oh, nice. Off. Yeah, good job. Yeah, on the ocean. <laughs> the sand shark came up, grabbed my face, ripped my arm off, tore this chunk out of my arm. Thank goodness my dad was three feet away. He's pulling on me. The shark rips my ear off as my dad's yanking. And the mom's like, holy crap, is this for real, she didn't know what to say. She's like, uh, thank you. <laughs> they just took off. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
That ain't so many times people superhero. ask me. Right? There's your tattoo. Called BS. Big old shark with, with whatever was right there in its mouth. I mean, you, that's cool. That's why I'm still out here. I'm looking for my, looking for my ear. Yeah. Wow, you see yeah. that? Sucker owes me. <laughs> Let me know if you hear something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. The ear's a good one. Like, I travel with it. And you have to take it off on when you go through the metal detector to saw the picture. I don't have to, but oh, okay. sometimes, like, if I look over and the TSA agent just looks like he's had a rough day, I'll take it off and put it in the tray with my shoes. Oh man! So <laughs> do you have do you have like guy. the uh, different different designs, like an I elf one, one or like an elf ear? Yeah, an elf ear or something. <laughs> yeah. But I put the ear in there and send it through the scanner with my shoes, and I have a backup one, kind of like you have backup shoes to cut grass in. So I put my backup ear and my real ear with my shoes and send it through. You see this guy look in the scanner, and all of a sudden he's like. He advances, rewinds it. He stands up trying to figure out somebody's punking him because you see the left side of my face. You just assume the right matches it. He can't figure out why are there real-looking ears in this tray. So finally, I walk through the scanner, and I grab it and show him the left, the right side of my face. And I snap my ear on and shot of my thumbs up. I was like, you know he went back to the break room. I was like, y'all aren't going to believe this yeah, shit. Yeah, check this shit out. <laughs> I'd wait to because because of the screws. Are they titanium? They are. Okay, so they don't pop in the scanner? No, so they're basically dental implants. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am about to say, if that thing pops in the scanner and they go to feel on your ear, like, hang on. Just put, the sucker on, <laughs> put it on backwards, wait for somebody to notice it. I'm like, what, what is it? I can't figure I've had people ask me if it's a piercing when I wear it, because I can't wear the ear to the beach or anything. And so people think I'm just some exotic body piercing. Is it closed off or do you still have the, the hole? Is your so ear can it never canal still open? So that's yeah. one of the downsides is, it bleeds and oozes every day because your body wants to close up on itself. And so it's just permanently going to do that. Uh, is that because the whole oracle? You still have the canal or yeah. do they seal it shut? So the canal, most of it's open, but the reason why I got to have the surgery, uh, my skin's pulling on my body. And so it's pulling my neck, my ear, and my eye down. So if I turn my head, I can't hear. Oh, close the connect. Like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it, and then like if I tilt my head all the way back, I can't swallow water because it pulls on my throat. Uh, okay. Huh? Can you cool. feel that when you're like during out the season when you're working out and you're not working out, like muscled up and not muscled up? Can I feel what? Like the tension in your skin when you're rolling? Oh, so the neck doesn't, but like my arm, it got so tight. My right arm was three inches smaller than my left arm. And so you'd work out the bottom of your arm would swell up. It was like a tourniquet being put on your arm. Yeah. And so when they cut it from here all the way to the inside of my elbow, it split open three inches. Yeah. Damn. So what I'll tell you, how many of you have gotten so ripped that your arm skin? That's blows great. Open? Yeah. Skin blows. What open. happened? I worked out so hard it blew up. Yeah. That's how hard <laughs> I put out. That's why they call me the Iron hey, Man. Uh, what What about your buddy? How's he doing? It was. You no, know, it's crazy because I'm a firm believer. We all are given two questions in life, right? Um, are you going to make the most of a bad situation or are you going to play the victim card? And unfortunately, we lost connection with him after the incident. He did not go back to school. Nobody has seen or heard from him. And he had a very common name, Jeff Brown. Uh, so you can't really find him in social media. Uh, I do know when I saw him afterwards, he healed up great. Like he looked amazing. His scars healed a lot better than mine, but 
I don't think he went on. I know he kind of removed himself from everything that we were involved with at school. So you still haven't seen him at all yet. Man, we'll try to fuck. Oh, it's been 39 years. Help us chase him down, you guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll, run it. I mean, we'll put he, that out and see if we can't run him to the ground for you. Yeah, I that would be, be interesting cool, to see huh? how, how, the, how what direction everybody went. Because you, yeah. you, my friend, changed the world. Well, you know, it's uh, been very fortunate, uh, presented with a lot, a lot of opportunities. Um, so I got a parenting like, question when it comes to the girl. I, like we talked about raising a daughter and a son. Uh, how do you come about, how do you come at them when it when when they get interested in something is are you the kind of guy like pushes like we're gonna play this and we're gonna go out and every day and do it or because or do you wait for them to get interested in something and then apply so all of our kids have been in sports since they're three and so we said look you're going to do something a sport a musical instrument something you're not sitting at home and i don't care if you're any good but you will do your best that's all i ask and i ask that you have fun the moment you say you're not having fun we need to find something else and if you start a sport, you got to finish it. You can't just uh, go to two to three practices and say, hey, I don't like this, Dad, I'm done. But I've also been very open and honest with my kids. Say, listen, your dad's 5'7", your mom's 5'5". Five, five. I don't want to set unrealistic expectations that you're going to be 6'3 and playing linebacker in the NFL. Because um, unfortunately, I went down that path, spent a lot of time playing football. I was probably the best bench warmer we had in high school. Um but it's a lot of wasted time. And so to me, it's about being honest with your kids and listen, here's where your talents position you for. And so I try to steer them down that path. I say, look, you're tenacious, you work hard, but maybe you're not the fastest. So here's some things you need to, we can either work on it. If you want a strength coach, we'll get one. Or if not, here's other things you need to look at. Uh, but I don't coddle my kids. Like my daughter is probably as tough on her than any of them, but she thrives off that. Like, I'll never forget eighth grade, we're heading to a, a track meet. She was a sixth grader, made the eighth grade team, and she's like, Daddy, I can't do this. I shouldn't be on the team. I don't want to race. And so I pulled over and stopped the car and said, you know what? You're right. I said, let's call the coach right now. When he answers, you just tell him you quit. You tell him, him he made a mistake. You don't deserve to be on this team. She didn't know I was calling a friend of mine. And she just starts crying, says, Daddy, don't call him. And I hung up. I said, why? She goes, I'm going to run. I said, babe, let's just go home. There's no need for me to sit in the stand two hours if you don't want to be here. Just quit. I don't care. No, Dad, I can do it. I can do it. Please take me. Best track meet she's ever had. A little reverse psychology there. And that's the way she is. And I can't do that with all my kids. But she is one of those, she wants you to challenge her and she's going to prove you wrong. She and I are wired a lot alike. But, you know, each one of my kids is different and we try to approach them based on that. Oh, yeah. If you don't, or if you try to, and if they pick up, you're trying to do the same thing. That's <laughs> That irritates them too. Yeah. Uh, these young ones, man, these, these COVID babies, they're smart. <laughs> smart. But, smart. But we're also man. not afraid. Like I take them zip lining. We've got the Colorado rock climbing and, you fall and break an arm that's okay you know we try to encourage them to take risk yeah nothing where hopefully they're going to die but we do let them do things that may result in going to the hospital and i think that's where so many parents call to their kids and don't want them to get hurt i want them to get hurt like they do boxing matches in the basement we put on headgear my boys get in there my oldest daughter gets in there and beats on the boys i mean 
we encourage that kind we of stuff. We do the competition to see who has to clean the kitchen. So like, we'll go out <laughs> to the basketball court or we'll, we'll hit something like that to where uh, I try just to find a way to, to get, you know, to, to stay integrated with them to, to something we can all do. And that's also the best way to get those chores out because if you both of them don't want to do it, it's, uh, I don't know, it works out well. I tell you, I love having kids. To me, it's the ultimate accountability. Because anytime you're tempted to quit in life, if you just start thinking, how am I going to explain this to my kids? That's a whole different story, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's always served me well when you're tempted to think about that conversation. and How do you teach your kids? It's, I want to teach my kids I never quit. Well, yeah. that. By never doing it. That's the best way to do it, right? Just keep getting get so back in there. So what's next on the schedule? You just got back from Israel doing Ironman. You qualified for the Worlds. Well, so I'm looking at doing uh, uh, seven continent, seven marathon challenge, yep. January 2023. And so I can't say a whole lot more, but I think you guys know one of the guys I'll be doing it with. So Imagine um, that. <laughs> hey, have you ever met Mike Rouse? I have not. You know that guy? You know that name? I don't. He's an old timer, but big into the Iron Man's. Used to be anyway. Well, that doesn't mean anything in the runners' world, I don't think. He's uh, because those guys haul ass, man. They run. I mean, seventy. It's not like old timer football. We're talking about these dudes are no, hardcore, six, man. <laughs> 68, 72, 68, 72. He did. He did. He did a uh, Leadville one hundred with us. Paces out uh, in August. He runs his birthday in years every year. He's still a stud, but he's sixty-eight, I think. Sixty-eight. He did thirty. He, so in the in the eighties and nineties, he was he was big in the Ironman scene. It's um, but you know, for me, it's always to to be careful that what I want to do personally doesn't interfere with what I want to do as a father and as a husband. Sure. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time reflecting on that because there's so many people in my world. It's all that. Look at me. Look at what I've done. And I'm like, but dude, you're miserable. Your kids hate you. Your wife can't stand you. Who cares if you're on the podium, if you're by yourself? I can tell you, my kids don't care about any of my medals. Oh, all they want to know is dad is, is dad there? Does dad love me? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we take the kids to most of these international races, signed up for one in Finland. I'm going to take the kids to that. Uh, we were supposed to be in New Zealand, but as you know, New Zealand won't allow anybody to come. Yeah. Interrupt. That's the big thing about we take our kids everywhere too, and they're like, well, "What do you do? You know, what can we do?" And just let them be there, learn in that environment. It's just kind of like mixing it up, changing up the AO. It, it changes them up, and they can see it, and they got to interact just by being there. So it's it's and good. I, for and them. I think it's too. It's like so. My uh, oldest son's thirteen. I took him with me. We did a boys trip to Worlds this year. It was in St. George, Utah. So we just did a lot of hiking and stuff before the race. But I was very open with him. I was like, "Hey, buddy, I'm nervous." You know, even though I've done 40 of these, I get extremely nervous. I can't stop going to the bathroom, you know, you name it. And it was just kind of vocalizing to him, it's okay to be scared. But that doesn't mean we stop and don't do something. Mm -hmm. Right? Like he watched me. There was somebody I was competing against that I knew. And he knew coming out of the water, I was five minutes down. And he watched me come back in the race and beat the person. But I told him before the race, hey, my goal is to beat so-and-so, right? And so it's teaching your kids, look, hey, I'm putting it out there. I may come up short. I can live with that. But I'm just letting you know, here's what I'm going for. And when I come out and I'm 
down several minutes. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to go easy now and say, hey, the race is over. I'm going to give everything I got. And so it was special for me to share that kind of intimacy with my son and to be vulnerable with him, to let him know, hey, this is what a, a man goes through, right? You don't shy away from that. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. Hey, Shay, thanks for sharing your story, man. What, what can our listeners do to support you in your journey? Well, if they're ever looking for motivational speakers, I uh, would love to come speak to their team or their company. Um, you know, my book, you can get it Amazon, What the Fire Ignited. And likewise, <laughs> if you know somebody that's been impacted, that's really suffering. That's awesome. Let me know. I'll send them a book, you know, because if I can impact one person, give them some kind of hope. Hey, I'd love to do that. Can I, can I get you? So, so in, in the world that I live in, I come across people that ask for people, inspiring people like yourself. It, a lot of times it's parents who have children that are in tough spots. Can I get Andrew to get your contact? You don't have to say it all over the, over the net, but get your number. Have it in my phone. Absolutely. Yeah. I said, I'll meet with people, let them call me, whatever. Um, Cause that, that's one of the things I didn't have when I was burned is somebody to assure me things will get better. Mm-hmm. And that's all we need to hear sometimes is, Hey, it's going to get better. Not today, not tomorrow, not next year, but hang in there. I promise it's going to get better. And that's what you need. If you can give one kid some hope, one adult, you know, that, Hey, maybe 10, 20, 30 years later, you'll be doing amazing things. That's all you need to hear sometimes. That's it. I appreciate it, bro. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, man. Thank you. What an incredible story. If you like today's episode, make sure you share it with a friend. These stories that we have on every single week can be life changing for someone. If you know someone that could use a little bit of a pick me up, they need that push, then this episode might be the one for them. Make sure you share it with them. If you haven't already, follow us on social media, teamneverquit.com slash social and to our Patreon community. Thank you guys for supporting us every single week, helping us put these shows together. And, and Shay, dude, your story was incredible. Thanks for being on. We will see you guys next week.